words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Truly, this morning is very, is very deep. Don't, don't hear me. Hear God. I was saying to Pastor Mo, I don't feel like saying a word. A word. Because the music preached half the message. Stephanie finished the message. So there's nothing more for me to say. Honestly. Honestly. Be very sensitive. If it's just one word you will hear, that will help. But I just know that today is about God touching things. Last week, when Pastor Mo was talking about um, verse, um, Ecclesia, I can't remember the title, but it was about the vessels. And, sorry? <laughs> you know it, yeah, attentive is good. But I was saying to him while he was speaking that I know, the, I know what, is, what is for this week. It was there I knew, I was sure about what it was for this week. And I just said to him, this is what the theme is. Because before, when I came in and sat down, I was in 2 Corinthians 4 throughout the service. So before you got there, I was there. So the words were just being, two, two words were being highlighted, pressed, hard-pressed, and crushed. Constantly through, throughout the time I was speaking. So I knew that's where it is. So if you hear the same things, don't be surprised. When God repeats, there's a reason. When Pharaoh had two dreams, it was for emphasis. So there's something God is trying to highlight to everybody in this season. I'll read 2 Corinthians 4, 7 and 8, and I'll read it from a couple of versions, and I just want you to keep your heart open. The reason those versions, they have different aspects that bring together a picture. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 7 and 8. I'll read the New King James first. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. It says we are hard-pressed on every side, yet we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Let me move on to nine. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body of the dying, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. The Amplified says, However, we possess this precious treasure, the divine light of the gospel, in frail human vessels of earth, that the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God, not from ourselves. We are hedged in, oppressed on every side. We are troubled and oppressed in every way, but we're not cramped or crushed. We suffer embarrassments and are perplexed and are unable to find a way out but we are not driven to despair. We are pursued or persecuted and hard driven, but we are not deserted to stand alone. We are struck down to the ground, but we are never struck out and destroyed. 
always carrying about in the body the liability and exposure to the same putting to death that the Lord Jesus suffered so that the resurrection life of Jesus also may be shown forth by and in our bodies. The message says, if, if you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. As it is, there's not much chance of that. You know for yourselves that we're not much to look at. We've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't broken. What they did to Jesus, they do to us. Trial and torture, mockery and murder. What Jesus did among them, he does in us. He lives. Our lives are at constant risk for Jesus' sake, which makes Jesus' life all the more evident in us. While we're going through the worst, you're getting in on the best. Finally, Passion Translation. We are like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within so that the extraordinary overflow of power will be seen as God's, not ours. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. At times, we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but we're not out. We continually share in the death of Jesus in our own bodies, so that the resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. Four powerful versions. Each one has a different take. But the sum total is, you will be face pressure. Not me, will face pressure. And I dare say, you are facing pressure. There's nobody, even Dangote is facing pressure right now. Because aviation fuel is scarce. They are canceling flights anyhow. So even his jets, voila, go there. And what was heightened for me, you see, tough times are not the issue. That you face and the other person is not facing doesn't mean the person is better than you. His time will come. Of a certainty, Isaiah 43 says, you will go through the waters. They won't drown you. It didn't say you will bypass or waka pass. You will go through. If you're not now, you will. It's not a curse. It is a fact of life. Life happens. People say life is not fair. It's not fair. It's not unfair. It's just life. It's your ability to respond to life appropriately that matters. It's your understanding of what is happening that is most crucial. Not the fact that it's happening. And many of us are lost in that process that we miss out on what we're meant to do and be. Stephanie just spoke general grammar. If she goes into detail, you understand. Every one of us is going through something. And I think why this was heightened for me is that it's not going to get better. Some of us are this close to breaking, this close 
the, the key atmospheres right now are despair, discontent, disappointment, depression. That's what is out there. You are sailed with it on a daily basis in every sphere of life. So once you understand that that is it, then you're not moved by it. But what's happening is you're being battered from this side to that side by situations and you're reacting to situations rather than being proactive in being ready and bracing yourself. That for me is the, the, the sum total of what we're talking about. The issue is not the pressure. This issue is how you see it and how you're going to respond to it. Hebrews 11, 12, for a number of years, that scripture has just rested in my spirit. Hebrews 12, verse 26, 27. It says, the voice, whose voice? God's voice then shook the earth and it refers to the time at Mount Sinai. It says, but now he has promised saying, yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made so that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. It says it will shake not just the earth because at Mount Sinai, the earth shook. There were lightnings, there were thunderings and they were afraid and said, Moses will not go, you go. But it says now, not only the earth, but the heavens, so where do you run to? Heaven is shaking. Earth is shaking. Everywhere is shaking. So you, are, you can't escape the shaking. But many of us are trying to avoid the shaking. You are wasting your time. The energy with which you use to avoid it is the energy you should be using to prepare for it. So that when it comes, you are in the right position. I've shared here that what, how God made this scripture real for me was give me a picture of the tsunami that happened in Asia about a decade ago. That tsunami was massive. I don't think we've seen any tsunami as bad as that since then. The waves were so high. I mean, you know, when you see the skyline of New York or any of those modern cities that have 100 and whatever story buildings, and the waves are higher than that. You know, if I pour water or bring a wave, that's just this height. You can try and run. When it's higher than a hundred-story, where are you running to? When it comes down, it's going to sweep you away. That was the tsunami we saw. It took down skyscrapers in in the, in the drop of a drop of a hat. It carried massive ocean liners and brought them to shore. At the end of the tsunami, there was a picture of a reed plant still standing. That's not normal. That's not normal. It has uprooted trees that have been there hundreds of years. It's uprooted an ocean liner and thrust it on the land. It's brought down a skyscraper. They spent, imagine Bujalara, those who like going to Dubai, that it just comes down in seconds. Something they built over 10 years comes down in seconds. Yet this plant that is a, not a tree, a plant is still standing after that kind of tsunami. It's not normal. But the key there is, where are your roots? Where are your roots? That plant has its roots deep. 
And that's why it's still standing. Not because it's strong. So what that means is when shakings come, when pressure times come, dig your roots. Dig your roots. That's what will keep you. Because it is only those things that are rooted in God that will not be shaken. Everything else will be shaken. And that's the season we are in. The shakings are upon us on every side. But the issue is not the shakings. Everybody's caught up in how it's affecting me, how it's going to do this. That shouldn't be your focus. What should be your focus is what do I do to ride this storm? It says in Isaiah 43, you will go through the waters. They want to drown you, but you will go through them. That means you'll be covered by the waters. And it's a scary thing to be covered by waters. Not swimming pool water, waters. It says you will go through the fire. It won't burn you. It won't even, the smoke won't even smell on your clothes. That is supernatural preservation. And that's the promise of God. But the worst thing you can do to yourself at that time is let fear capture your heart because you begin to act wrongly. You know, when, when Pimo was speaking last week, what struck me the most about that scripture, and it's a scripture I've read, preached, and talked about over the years, is the fact that you have treasures. Treasures are precious. They are valuable. I was listening to something yesterday, and someone was talking about if your life changes based on the values that come into your hand. So for, what he said is, if I give this to you and it's worth $10 million, I'm not giving you. <laughs> if I give it to you, instantly your life changes. Because before now, you didn't have to worry about protection. You were careful. You could just get up and enter Kekenapep at 11 p.m. Now you have to set certain boundaries in place and prepare yourself because it's a different kettle of fish. Many times we are moved by the situation. You just start rejoicing and bubbling. I have 10 million dollars. I got it. I got it. And everybody's targeting you. Don't know. You don't have what it takes. You need to step back, prepare for what is ahead. And so treasures are things that are valuable and change the dynamics sometimes really massively. But what you know when you have uh, the ladies who have gold, you know, ladies like gold, they don't just keep it carelessly. It's inside a safe. It's inside a secure place. It's somewhere that you need to go the extra mile to try and get to it. But what God says is he has put treasures in earthen vessels. Earthen vessels, clay pots. You just drop it, it breaks. It is meant to break. So it is paradoxical that God will put something of value in something of inconsequential value. But it is deliberate. Because he's not trying to protect it. And this is why, if you don't take anything away from what I'm saying, it is about the perspective with which you see the situation. That's the most crucial thing that brings your deliverance. Because if your mindset is that the treasure must be kept away 
in a secure place so that nobody gets to it. God's paradigm is it must be somewhere where people can get to it. You know why? It is in the breaking that's when the power is released. But our mindset is I don't want to be broken. But unless you are broken, the power is not released. And it changes the game totally. So many of us are struggling because we are trying to stay away from things falling apart. Meanwhile, you have no choice. As hard as you try, it's going to break. How, not, how about just letting go and letting God just allow you to glide like an eagle? Let's look at Mark chapter 14 just to underscore that point. The story of the woman with the alabaster box. I'll read verses 3 to 5. Mark 14. It says, And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. It says, Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. It says, There were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. It says, and they criticized her sharply. Spike, this, this um, um, oil, spikenard, it's, it's like for men who, you know, there are fragrances. So men use, the, the, the women use flowery, men use musk type. Those like old spice of those days. The power of the oil can only come out when it's released. So as long as it's contained in the flask, you can't smell it. But the minute it's broken and released, everything comes out. And she poured it on his head. I don't know what you're going through. Now, there's the place for the enemy coming against you or things you've done that opened the door, that's not where I'm going. But there are things that happen where you know it's not about anything you've done. You've prayed, you've, you're sure, but it's happening any which way. Many times we still try to avoid that one. You should be smart enough to know it's God at work. And the more you struggle, the more you're just going to waste time. Because you know, when it comes to God, when you do an exam, if you fail it, you must repeat it. So you will keep repeating that exam to allow him. And many of us are in that space right now. There are seasons where it's a generic thing. The economy is falling apart. And it's happening to everybody or most people. And you just lose hope. If you don't hear me on anything else, all I'm trying to get you to get to is this season, you must hear what God is saying to come through. You will come through. But how you will come through is going to be the issue. It's dependent on how much you put your trust in him. Some might come ragged. Some might come out just stepping with, you know. At times like this, the critical thing is to understand that where God is concerned, your posture is about brokenness. Brokenness is the posture at times like this. When things begin to happen that seem to be going wrong, 
And no matter how much you try, everything seems to be shutting down. That time is time to retreat into God. Don't try and be a hero. There's nothing you try that will work. You need to step back and just access God to be able to deal with what is ahead. It is the broken place. You know, Psalm 51 is one of the most powerful prayers of repentance I can think of. And when you know the context, that was David praying after Bathsheba. And he says he sat before the Lord for seven days pleading for the child, the baby that was born. And the child died. And he just got up and went about his business. Because he understood it's not about the child living or not, it's about God's will. But you see, it is in that place he brought that psalm. And when you read the words of that psalm, you begin to understand his mind and why God loved him. He says, a broken heart and a contrite spirit you will not despise. He knows God that no matter how annoyed God is, if you come broken and contrite, not for me, no. Because God sees through everything you do. All your shenanigans, he sees through them. If you come with the right heart, he can't. He's bound to just draw you to himself. That's why David was who he was with God. That's why God could say about him, he's a man after my heart. He will do all my will. Even when he's doing nonsense. Because he will come with true repentance. And he understood the place of brokenness. Many times we're avoiding being broken. Or even when we have gone wrong. To the enemy... We will all go wrong. That is fact. But it is how you come to God at a time like that. The enemy will tell you, you're not worth anything. You see yourself. You are even trying. You, you just give up and go. You are just you're a waste. But it's coming with the right heart that can cause God to restore you. You know that before Bathsheba, God had promised David that they will never cease to be one from your lineage on the throne. But we know that when you go against what God does, it can be truncated. In his case, it was not truncated. Because he said, if your son goes wrong, I will, I will take some part out of him, and I, but I will still draw him back. And that's what God did with Solomon. When Solomon messed up, he just cut Judah, Israel. And you see that I said to the group I was speaking to yesterday that if you check at least two times in Judah, the king was killed or they put his son. In Israel, it happened many times. They killed the king and took over. But in Judah, because there was a word of God, it was established. And that is someone who messed up big time. Because what David did, he did two things that had carried the death penalty. He committed murder, he committed adultery. Both were liable for death. But yet, you know, for me, what is mind-blowing is what Nathan said. He didn't say you committed the sin. He says, you took my name. You've caused my name to be blasphemed. That was God's problem. When you understand how precious David was, then you understand that it's not about what you do. It's about your heart towards God. So talking about brokenness, the seasons of brokenness are the seasons where your 
character and your, your ability to bring God are heightened. If you're honest to yourself, the, the down moments you went through were some of the closest moments you had with God. They were some of the most defining times you had with God. Because that's how God designed it. You must break the vessel for the power to be released. So quit. And I, and I, and I, and I say again, I'm not talking about things that have happened because they programmed them against you or you let, you open the door for things. That's a different case. I'm talking about things happen in spite of you walking right. Take Job, for instance. He's just there by himself. God just uses him to boast. You see my guy? The guy had nothing to do with the conversation. Then his whole life turns upside down. What would you do? I mean, I, I say to people, when you think you have problems, think about Job. Then you will calm down. So, one of the things I've found is that many times, God uses seasons like this to train us and prepare us and make us ready for what he wants. Sometimes, for him to take you into what he wants to do or what he is destined to you for, you must go through this. You can't escape it. And so when we read John 15, I'll just pick a few verses, 2, 4, 5, and 7. It says, every branch in me, it says in verse 1 that I am divine and you are the branches. Everyone is connected to me will be fruitful or not. In 2, it says, every branch in me does, that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. It says, abide in me and I in you. In 4, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. It says, neither can you unless you abide in me. 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing. Seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Pruning also speaks of brokenness. Because like Stephanie was referencing, if you know anything about vine dressing, when the vine, the vine is a very prolific plant. It grows very rapidly and branches come out and the fruit is grapes, right? So when the, when, when the branches are just growing, after a while it begins to sag because of the weight. And so those branches that are down there cannot bear fruit. And so the fruit becomes, the, the plant becomes stagnant and unfruitful. So what they have to constantly do is prune it cut it, cut, thing, cut branches off and keep it constantly um, ready. And if you translate that to lives, that means they'll be cutting off things from you. It's painful. It sometimes seems needless. It sometimes is the things you like that will be cut off. But that's the only way because the aim is not to destroy it but to make it more fruitful. And that's God's mandate all the time. Again, back to the issue of perspective. 
when the vine, the vine dresser plants the vine, the outcome is to get grapes, right? For you to get wine out of grapes, you must crush the grapes. You would think that's a wasted process because the fruitfulness is, and in any plant, the glory of a plant is to be fruitful. So why would you now go and destroy the fruit? It makes the whole thing look meaningless. Except you understand God's perspective, you will not understand certain things. His perspective is to create wine. Now, if you know anything about wine, vintage wine, the grapes will just eat it and that's all. It will get rotten, you throw it away. It can cost, worst case, $2. But a bottle of wine, vintage wine, Tuscany, 1858, can go for $2 million. God's plan is to create wine. If your eye is on the grapes and the fruit, you miss his plan. So you misunderstand the process. And that is the issue we must take away. Look at your current paradigm through the eyes of God to understand what the end game is. Joseph, God had said about him, you're going to be great. Your parents, your brothers will bow to you. That was the dream. But he was pitted in a 13-year cycle of just going down, sold into slavery, in prison for something he didn't do when he was defending God ultimately became prime minister when his brothers came and he revealed himself to them it's instructive what he said he says don't feel bad for what you did for what you did God has used what you did for good and when you read Psalm 105 you see that it says and God sent a man even Joseph ahead to preserve Israel in God's mind, his focus was to preserve Israel. It needed a man to be broken, to go through heartbreaking situations for his will to come to pass. Joseph understood that. But many of us wouldn't. We would think, see my life, my own brothers, my own blood, my own blood. What would I have done to those brothers? Eh? <laughs> but he understood and that's why you must put that in perspective in your life now. Because the things you're going through and the things you are yet going to go through, it's important you have the right frame. We know Bill Johnson of Bethel. He lost his wife about a week and a half ago. Very sad. She, has, she was a woman of prayer. Their church had done a lot of, I mean, Bethel worship comes from there. People go there, you, it's as if God is sitting there. The presence is something else. Healings, countless have happened. She has prayed for people with cancer. The cancer has gone. But she died of cancer. 
They had believed, they had prayed through until that happened. She died, I think, on Tuesday or Wednesday. Last Sunday, he preached in church. I was watching the message and it touched me because he was speaking. I mean, he got emotional, but, you know, he said, what would this journey be if we thought we should only have things going right? They will go wrong. He says, we don't mourn unnecessarily. We mourn knowing that God is with us. And you must see God. He says, I've encouraged people who've gone through things. There are scriptures that say, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And he says, you will take those scriptures and think things must be okay. He says, the pain is part of the process. Because for you to rejoice always, it's easy to rejoice if everything is going on all the time. It presupposes things will go wrong and you must rejoice even then. It was a powerful message. Knowing the backdrop. I took away from that, that, you know, the things we go through. Is he grieving? Yes, he is. But he's not allowing it, holding back because he says, I will constantly see the goodness of God. He has been kind to me. It's not now that I'll start beginning to doubt him. He says, when you get caught up in the why, you miss God. He's sovereign. He says, there are some things you will never understand till you get there. So stop trying to understand them. You won't. And so, when I think of that, you can't avoid problems. They will come. But how do you analyze them? How do you respond to them? T.D. Jakes, you know, people, after, I, after I said that, Crushing. I remember the book he wrote called Crushing. So I just went back to it and just skimmed a few pages. And he, he, he opened it with, you know, his daughter got pregnant at 13. Sarah, she got pregnant at 13. It was a devastating thing. The whole bishop, your daughter gets pregnant. It's not even out of wedlock at 13. And he says it's like his, his world literally fell apart. Because this came just a few months after his mom died of Alzheimer's. That was, she was his rock. She was the one who was his go-to counselor, the one who encouraged him. And watching her go in the last few months, not able to feed herself, not able to do, was already a problem. Then this hit him. All kinds of doubts come. What will people say? What will this, what will happen? But through it, and he, he, he just checked out everything I'm saying. That that's what went through his mind. That would you say things shouldn't happen? Could it be that that is a, a needful part of the process? You don't call it on yourself, but if it happens, what do you do? How do you view it? I say all this that we might prepare ourselves. Because I am convinced things are going to go south even more. Paradoxically, the nation will change. But it is those who are ready, who have gone through the process that will ascribe. You know, in one day, 
when God brought Israel out of Egypt, there was both rejoicing and crying. There will always be those two parameters in any situation. There will be those who rise up and those who will fall down. It's a fact of life. And all I'm doing is prepare yourself to be among those who will rise up. Because it doesn't matter the circumstances. What matters is what you do with those circumstances. Genesis 26 talks of Isaac. A famine came on the land. And Isaac desired to do what Abraham had done. Egypt always had food in those days. So the natural thing was go to Egypt, like his father Abraham did. And God said, no, don't go. Stay in this land. I will bless you. And he stayed. Now, that staying wasn't that. He just stayed and things were coming. Because they're agrarian in their economy. So you have to plant for harvest to come, right? In a famine. Famine is that there's no food. Everywhere is parched. There's no water. Nothing. So it wasn't that stay in a place of comfort. It was stay and suffer. I like us to read the Bible very well. Because sometimes you just think he just stayed and everything was working. And how do you know? It says he dug a well. Because the most critical, already the land is an arid land, like a desert land. Then on top of that, you have a famine. Water will be the most, priced, the most precious thing at that time. And since they dug a well, they found water and they contended with him. They dug again. They found water again. They contended with them. And what I, what I want you to pick is the tenacity with which he kept going. He didn't stop and say, well, I've tried. He dug again and they found water and he called that Rehoboth. The Lord has made room for us. And that's when you saw that he began to thrive and prosper. But what is also instructive is he didn't stop digging because thereafter they went to Beersheba, the place of the springing, um, multiple springs, seven springs. And for me, that's also a pattern of prayer. You keep digging until water comes. Don't stop, no matter what it looks like. I don't know where you are at right now. Everybody's dressed, looking good, but I know the pain under. Last Sunday, Pimo, I felt a burden, a deep burden that people are at break point. They are at break point that some are possibly even suicidal because of what's happening. But we dress, we look good. That's why I prayed how I prayed. I felt God was trying to touch hearts and just bring people out. He's touching your situation. No, he's not touching your situation. He's touching your heart because it is your perspective of the situation that matters, not the situation itself. That means trouble is actually an opportunity. But if you see it as something that is trying to destroy you, you miss the opportunity. The story of two sales, shoe salesmen. They drop them on an island where people don't wear shoes and say they should market shoes. So one says, they don't wear shoes here now. There's no market. The other one says, send 
a whole container load, there's market. It's perspective. Same situation. Just want to share a few things for us to keep our minds on in this season. Because what do you do when things are shutting down, no matter how much you try? And let me share a personal thing. Sometimes, you know, you prepare a message, you don't know what's on God's mind really. You think this is what it is, but you're not entirely sure until you come here. Sometimes you are sure when you get here. As I left service last Sunday, why I'm sure this is it? I was just going after law school. Someone just ran into me from behind. Their brake failed. I looked up, I looked down. I said, after you're just basking in the euphoria of the service, <laughs> enjoying the... <laughs> and then someone ran into me. I'm just thinking, no car, the wrong time. Looked at the women who came out of the car. I'm thinking, hmm. <laughs> if I vex and save you more, I just calmly just got into my car, managed it to work, and just stayed. Because I felt, don't talk. <laughs> what God does to us sometimes, eh? He will test us in the thing we are going to say. <laughs> Uh, I'm a calm person except when I'm driving. <laughs> so I understood that this is the word for now. But one thing, the first thing I want us to do is in times like this, you can't do anything about the situation. You can't change it. It's not within your power to change it. But how you view it is what's important. And how you approach it. Because your thought pattern will determine your actions. The first thing is that you must look out for God's light or his perspective in that situation. Stop looking at it from your perspective. Try and find out what is in God's mind. Because the minute, I, because you will miss the bright spots if you don't. The minute that happened, I just thought, okay, how am I going to get to work? That means Bolt or Uber, this rainy season, mm, how is it going to work? And guess what? All week it didn't rain. All week it didn't rain at all. I was blown away because the week before it was raining. Today it rained. I just calmly told myself, call IDO. If not, you come like a chicken that went through a washer. <laughs> but you miss the bright spots if you don't. Your mindset is very important. Look for the perspective of God. Look, ask God, what is he trying to do? Because the earlier you know, the, more, the, better you, the earlier you can adjust and get through that season. Tests come upon us. You can either stay in them 40 years like children of Israel or come out in 11 days as was the plan. It's all about how you respond. He says the Bible was written and all they went through was written as an example for us to guide us. 
there's always a choice you make. And the choice you make determines what happens. But go through it, you will go. So if you take the wine press or the vine example, like I said, God's mind is about the wine. It's not about the grapes. If your focus is on the grapes, you miss what God is doing entirely. By the time you realize it's late, you've gone through so much pain, unnecessary pain, you've lost out on the revenue you'd have gotten from the wine. Second thing is so you look for his perspective, but you also look for him. You look for him. Because you cannot go through seasons like that on your own, in your own strength. It's not possible. If you can find him, there's comfort. The earlier you find him, you see, Job, part of Job's problem was, you know, the wife said to him, curse God and die. Job felt like cursing God, but he kept holding it. So he went through longer than he would have. At that point, tell God, I'm not happy with you, but help me. You see, one thing I've learned with God, sincerity, he knows your heart even before you say a word. So when you're already you're, you're, you're answering him, you know when you're annoyed with someone, but you just politely, he knows what you're doing. It's better to just come and God, I'm not happy with you. Why are you doing this to me? He will tell you. Gideon said, Gideon poured out his mind and God kept accommodating him. It's so important to find God because those seasons are very dark seasons. Only the light of God can guide you through those seasons. So you have to actively look for God. Times like that is a time when you up your personal devotion time. You build all the things that, all the spiritual activities you need to do. You begin to need to up them. You need to pray more. You need to, whether you feel like or not, you need to pray more. You need to be constantly in an environment of worship. You need to study the word more. Trust me, you won't feel like. But in there, a word comes that carries you. There was a season in my life I went through sometime like this. I was in a job, and I think I've shared that before, but it was apt. And I felt, you need to resign from this job. And I was like, ah, I prayed. For me, if I hear God, I do it, whether it makes sense or not, because I've learned to trust. And I said, I prayed for two weeks. I didn't hear one word, not one, nothing. And I was, one day I woke up sweating because it was, it was like a thought, if you don't resign, you will die. And I'm thinking, it's just a job now. Why will I be dying? So I was, I was just, I mean, you, you know, you wake up with palpitations. <clears throat> and so God was merciful enough. I was just reading scripture that morning. And I came across Isaiah 30, 21. A voice will say in your ear, this is the way, walk in it. 
when you turn to the right or to the left. And that was just my rema. Because it meant just turn. You have prayed, you have not heard anything. Just turn. When you turn, because how it was ministered to me is, you are afraid to take a position because you are afraid to go wrong. How about if it's wrong? I will tell you it's wrong now. So just go. That was like water to a thirsty soul. And I just put in my letter. I had to give three months notice. But I just felt peace after that. I was like, ah. I'm saying that at times like this, you need to find God actively. It's hard. You know, Job, Job said in Job 23, 9, 10, about 8, 9, 10, he says, I looked for him. I looked for him in the front. I looked for him in the back, to the side, the right side where he stays usually. I didn't know he was hiding. But he said, but whichever way I go, I know I will come out as gold. You have to find him. That's what will get you through the season. There's something T.D. Jake said that really struck me. He says, life's painful detours often become the miraculous milestones charting a new path towards God's future for us. I repeat, life's painful detours often become the miraculous milestones charting a new path towards God's future for us. You know, when you go through those seasons, nothing you go through takes God by surprise. There's nothing you will go through. And when I look at the life of Joseph, at every point, the scripture said, and God was with him. In the pit, and God was with him. In prison, and God was with him. So those seasons seemed very debilitating seasons, but God was with him. It might not look like God is with you. He never leaves you, nor forsakes you. But you have to see him to trust that he's with you. The third thing, you need to build resilience for those times. Resilience means a capacity to recover quickly from difficult situations. It means a certain toughness or steeliness, a flexibility, an ability to, no matter what happens, to be like a spring. You have an anchor that keeps you. Because you will be assailed with many situations and many things that will shake you. Your ability to be rooted in God and build resilience is what will keep you. You know, in boxing, they talk about the concept of rolling with punches. So when they throw a punch at you, you ride it by going in the direction the punch is coming because it dulls the blow. Except you're fighting Tyson. Because you can't dodge the blow. <laughs> I don't know what your frame is right now. 
I feel weights here this morning. Determine in your heart, you're not going to go the way you came. You're going to drop those burdens at his feet. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. That's what's been reverberating in my spirit. I know the thoughts I think towards you. Not thoughts of evil. That situation that you're going through is not meant to destroy you. It's meant to bring you into the place of establishment. The route with which you go through might be different from what you can imagine. But I will get you there. Have you ever thought what that scripture means? We all quote that all things work together for the good of those who love God. My interpretation is Whichever way you take, you end in the right destination if God is in it. So where you think you are lost, you will, you know, GPS, Google Maps, when you do it, we route. <laughs> Today is a day of release. So just open your hearts to Him as we close. I don't know the burdens you have. Grace is available this morning. Purpose that you're not going to live with what you came with. For some of you, it is that you don't trust God. Because the last time something happened, in your mind, He let you down because He allowed you to go through something. It's not what you go through that is the issue, it's whether He's with you in the press trust him again he says trust in the Lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your path trust him again Trust him again. Open your heart to him this morning. Is there anybody who is dealing with that place of not being able to trust God, finding it hard because of the pain of what has happened? Is there anybody? I don't need you to come out. Just put your hand on your heart. Your heart. It is out of the heart flow the issues of life. And God is so set on dwelling in our hearts. And so Father, I bring your people before you this morning. You're even more eager to take
take up residence in our hearts and bring peace into our lives. I bring the pain that, and the fear that brings torment before you this morning. Jesus died that all fear will be broken and every pain will be assuaged. We come against and I stand against every provoking power of the enemy to instigate thought patterns, memories that will keep your people in bondage. And I break them in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus upon them. I pray release freedom, that ability to just bask in your glory, in your presence. That even in the midst of a lion's den, we will be at peace and at rest. As you gave it to Peter to be able to sleep in chains when he was going to be executed the next day. Lord, let your peace that passes all understanding rest upon your people. In the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.